You're listening to Culture Matters, a podcast of the Village Church. This is Adam Griffin, and I'm here with my co-host, the Adam Hawkins. Adam, how are you this morning, buddy? Doing great, man. It's great to be here with you. I'm glad to be back in the same room with you again, buddy. Mm. <laughs> We're also in here this morning with David Roark. David, how you doing, bud? I'm doing well. Good. You fantastic. Look, you look fantastic. And Chris Starrett, buddy. Chris, yeah, welcome back. I think I'm doing better than those two. They sounded really bored. Yeah, they sure did. Yeah. In the first take on this intro, they sounded a little over the top. Sounds like they really cooled it off. Yeah. Well, let's see if I can get Adam riled up here in a second. Adam, on today's episode, this is going to be great. Adam has no idea what our topics are today, okay. so I'm interested in hearing your reaction. Okay. We're talking about three things in 2019 that have already happened culturally okay. and that I think the Christian church cares about or at least should have some response to and how we should think about them. Topic number one, we're going to talk about border security and building the wall. Mm. Topic number two, we're going to talk about a group of teenagers wearing Make America Great hats, interacting with a a couple of different religious groups and an indigenous people's march at the Washington Mm. Monument. And third topic, (laughs) we're going to talk about toxic masculinity. How are you feeling, Adam? I... I'm nervous that this will be our last Culture Matters episode ever. Well, we all feel the same way. While we're not going to come down hard on any one of these topics and say this is exactly what Christians need to believe or we're not getting political today, we're going to talk about, though, what is going on in culture and not shy away from it from a Christian perspective. So without further ado, let's get to these topics. Hey, before we jump into these pretty tough topics, uh, let's just catch up with each other in the room a little bit. How's everybody's 2019 so far? Busy. Busy? Is yeah. some is the village, man, a lot going on around here? What's no, happening? we're not doing anything. We're not transitioning campuses into autonomous churches oh. or oh, I thought we were planting doing churches <laughs> or anything. Nothing's going on, actually. Oh, just kind of chilling. Yeah, Jeez. just chilling. No, it's great. It's There's a lot. You know, New Year. I'm really mad about the Oscar nominations. Oh, yeah? Anything yeah. in particular got there's you fired a, up? There's a movie called If Bill Street Could Talk, uh-huh. and this movie should have been nominated for Best Picture. Oh, no, Mr. Bill Street. <laughs> I don't is, like, that the, is that the opening? <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. that's. <laughs> I don't even know what that was. Oh, it's from, uh, uh, what is it? That was Mr. Bill. Is that from no, no it's it a different matter. different Beal. doesn't matter different Beal. <laughs> <laughs> but it should have been best picture to get it nominated for anything uh Actors, yeah it got nominated i think for score and maybe something else but it, it's a really good movie the, the nominations were terrible this year they're always terrible and they were more terrible than ever and okay. i know that that's not going to surprise anyone that i've said that but you know sure Adam, anything got you fired up in 2019? I'm super excited about the Oscar <laughs> nominations this year. <laughs> that's not, as, that's as you true. just told me that you have no idea what they are. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. What they are. Hey, isn't this a big this is a big month this though is for a really your big campus, month. right? Actually, probably by the time this episode is released, the Plano campus will have voted on whether or not to become an autonomous church. Wow, that's a huge deal. It's a huge deal. If so if they, they vote, vote yes, what's the timetable? If they vote yes, we will be an autonomous church um, in August of 2019. Wow. If they vote no, we'll I will be, be out of a job. job. <laughs> <laughs> who knows? Well, so well, who I mean, knows? Full-time podcaster. Yeah. <laughs> Chris, anything got you impassioned so far um, this year? No. You know, I always start the year with some uh, – people don't like saying resolution in – 
this 21st century, but I still call them resolutions. Yeah. Um, but I wanted to establish some new rhythms in my life. Is this um, the uh, Whole30 thing you're doing? Well, that's more... I mean, sure. Yeah. Okay. That's, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so far, I, um, I haven't started any of those rhythms. So I'm off to a great start, honestly. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> Outside of, I wanted to say that I was going to read more in 2019. Yeah. And I started a book and I read a chapter in it. So I'm one month in and one chapter down. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> well, my goal was to lose 10 pounds last year. And so I only have 15 left to go this year, which is great. That's amazing. Yeah. You will weigh wow. 115 pounds this year? Yeah, that's the plan. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. That's crazy. Yeah. Well, that's why you've never seen me eat. For those who have never seen Adam, they're thinking of him as like a... <laughs> what? Sorry, as I'm... a what, David? As a very little man. Yeah. Well, but I'm not. What is that supposed to mean? No, that's not what I was implying. No. no. Adam, what about you? You didn't tell us about uh, anything you're fired up about. Well, I'm fired up about Culture Matters, man. A brand new season. David, can you give us a little bit of preview of what this next season entails? <sighs> what does this season entail? We've got some really great yeah, episodes. Some really great episodes coming. Um, we're going to talk about food. We're going to continue conversations about racial injustice. We're going to talk about um, opioid, op- opioids. 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 Um, Opie. From the show. <laughs> yeah, we're going to interview Ron, Ron Howard. <laughs> that would be amazing. Yeah. That yeah. would be amazing. Can you do your Ron Howard impersonation for us real quick? I don't have one. Oh, well, we'll work on it before we get to that episode. Great. Yeah, yeah, and then uh, I think the biggest thing is that we're we're going weekly yeah. starting this year. So no longer is this podcast going to be twice a month. Yeah! Be yeah. <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> I don't even know. It's great. It's, so... it's like an audible meme. So 2019... Yes. I'm going to try some new shticks. Okay. Shtick. One of them is yelling Little John yes, yes. every once That's in a while. That's one. Okay. That's just one. But there's going to be others. Are there any we should be prepared for in today's episode? Family Matters Urkel. Okay. okay. A lot You're of, say, did I do that? Did I do okay. that? <laughs> <laughs> Way to be culturally relevant and current. Well, let's get to the more serious topics of the day. The first one we've got before us is a, there is a lot going on in our culture right now in 2019. I mean, there's a mm. government shutdown associated with this, which should not be joked about. There's a lot of people's jobs are changed and affected right now. We uh, There's refugees in, in our neighborhood that are not receive, receiving the normal uh, food distribution because of the government shutdown. I mean, it's it's got some uh, wide-reaching effects. It's a big political argument about uh, not just whether or not to build a wall, but how much money for a wall and where to put the wall. And is the wall about race? Is it about immigration? Is it about safety? There's so many of these buzzwords that are being thrown around, but it is in the news every day right now. Donald Trump, the president, uh, Nancy Pelosi, the Speaker of the House, kind of the, the two faces of the argument that we see most often. But as as Christians and as Christian uh, operating in an American culture and as Christian leaders, pastors, ministers, and a lot of pastors and ministers listen to this podcast, what are the ways that we can equip our people to not ignore what's going on, but maybe not enter the fray of uh, insults that is so common in our culture. How do they navigate a conversation like the wall, and how should a Christian think about these things? David, any advice right off the top? Whoa. You're starting with me. Yeah. Okay. Well, I just know you've got some great thoughts, especially theologically, <clears throat> as we consider uh, how, how Christians navigate uh, political culture. Sure. Uh, I wouldn't call them great, but I'll try my best. You uh, have some average what, mediocre thoughts. <laughs> One of the first things that I think about is, um, so if you follow the church calendar, we're currently in the season of Epiphany right now. Yeah. And, um, you know, you have Advent, Christmas, and Epiphany. And Epiphany, sort of the key text, I guess there are a few key texts, is the the one of the Magi. We 
in sort of evangelicalism, we tend to associate that with like Christmas, but it's actually a text associated with Epiphany because Epiphany is about Christ manifesting himself as the light of the world, which means he came for not just Jews, but for Gentiles. And so this story of the Magi coming is really just sort of this first picture we see in the gospel accounts of of that, that God's vision for humanity is not just for Jew, but it's for Gentile. It's multi-ethnic, it's multicultural. And so it reiterates the way that we should think about, I think, all tribes, tongues, and nations, you know, the way that, like, the lenses that we put on as Christians, you know, it, it, that we're global first, you know, that we're a global church, I should say, and that our kingdom is, and our allegiance to a kingdom is not the American kingdom first, but it's the kingdom of God. And so that's just one of the first things I think about with this particular topic and immigration is regardless of where you end up landing politically, and I think that there's some room to land in some different places and have different conclusions about what's best for our country, that's that's fine, Um to some extent, I think. Yeah. But, but at the end of the day, like we have to be in people who are known for a posture of kingdom first, not American kingdom first. And so we have to think about the refugee, the outsider in the way that God does. And then we, when we see in the Bible that God cares deeply about the foreigner and yeah. the, you know, anybody vulnerable. Yeah, right? anybody yeah. vulnerable. Well, he cares about people in general first, right? Yeah. You know, and so it starts with that. But then I think it really gets to, people who are in vulnerable situations and it would definitely include, you know, those who are coming, you know, looking for safety from different countries and things like that. So that's, I think you just have to think through those lenses and epiphany is just a great season to get us thinking through those lenses. I think. Adam, has any, anybody at Plano or at your church where you work, has anybody ever come up and asked you like, Hey, what is your political opinion on this topic going on right now? Or do people kind of assume that pastors aren't giving political opinions? Um, Here's what's really Interesting. Uh, I think some of us, and I could be wrong about this. I guess when I've heard shutdowns before, I've always sort of imagined it as far off in Mm -hmm. in a sense. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've had several people in our congregation um, be directly affected by this who are federal agents or work for the government who literally are not getting paid. Um, right now also what was the way it came up was Alamo draft house. If you're a free movie, a federal employee, you can go see a free movie. I know that seems like, you know, probably short change for people who aren't getting, uh, aren't being paid. But, um, you know, there are people who are, who are, uh, on leave, which means they will not get back pay for this. Uh, and then there are people who it's illegal for them not to work. So they're there and at some point they'll get back pay, but it's a huge, like it, it touches lots of people. Yeah. Um, it's close to home. And so I would just caution and say, I think even for people, maybe in your congregations, if you're, you know, for those listening, um, this might be a very personal thing yeah. to them, uh, regardless of where you fall politically. So I think it's always good to just remember that. Um, yeah. Well, you I know, think that's a fascinating point because a yeah. lot of times these political arguments can stay on CNN that's and right. Fox News. That's right. And we can kind of take the internet position with the internet bravery that says, oh, yeah, well, this is why your position is moronic and be insulated from it. Yeah. But what's interesting about what's happening right now when it concerns the border is that it is very personal to a lot of people, not just because of a passionate opinion, yeah. but because of how it's affecting directly their pay and their and their future with their career. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To answer your point more directly, yeah, I mean, people ask me what my position is and um, I always try to stay away from the overtly political um, position. Like you're not saying because I am a Democrat or because I am That's a right. Republican. I, I think. always, I think because it is uh, 
you know, as a pastor, um, my primary concern is pastoring. And so I want to come at it like David just did from, from a biblical perspective. Now I'm not naive enough to think that my opinions and beliefs and backgrounds and stuff don't, don't shape, uh, what, you know, but don't shape what the, the, what I'm giving, you know, my beliefs and everything else. In other words, I'm not in a vacuum. Right. Um, but, but that said, I try to be as, as theologically and scripturally bound and led as possible. And so that, that's what I would say. I know that almost seems like a really political answer, to be honest with you. I'm not really answering <laughs> a it. Non-answer. Yeah. It's a non-answer, but frankly, um, my concern, and I know, this is a cop-out, but I'm really less concerned with whether we build the wall or not, and I'm more concerned with our hearts towards the other. Hmm. That's what that's really where I am. As far as a policy consideration, I'm I'm skeptical sure. uh of of quick answers. I'm skeptical of um walls. Yeah. I mean, frankly, I just I don't know the efficacy. I, I and I'm when I say I don't know, I'm saying I don't know. Yeah. Um but what I do know is very often the rhetoric around why we need one is based on fear of the other and not sure. seeing people as people. And that's what concerns me. And so that's honestly generally where I enter in and just say, hey, regardless of whether we build a wall or not, um, are you considering what it looks like to love them? Sure. I so. think that's a really interesting. Uh, I mean, I think that's spot on for a lot of things. I, I do find it fascinating that in our political culture today, that it can be to a politician's advantage to create an argument that has so many far-reaching effects on real people, whether it's people that want to immigrate or whether it's people whose jobs are federal or whatever it might be. Um, It kind of makes me sick that for political advantage, we would be against or for something Mm -hmm. instead of just thinking through what's the right thing to do here. Should we build a wall? Well, is it good for our country? It's not really the question. It's does our opponent want to build it or don't they? And do they not want to build it? And and what is the advantage to our political party if we stand against it? And what is the rhetoric then we can create around it if it is to our advantage? If we can make somebody else seem uncaring or unfeeling, like uh, you put one party and you say, well, the Democrats must be against it because they love our insecurity and it's uh, they're against Americans and Americans are getting killed by people crossing the border. And then the Republicans are for it because they're against other people that aren't white and wealthy. And we kind of we create these uh, narratives around each other that creates um, uh, builds ourselves up and puts the other down when it comes to political parties that ends up being just to the advantage of the politician and not to the people. Which is why I would encourage Christians. It's not to say that you can't have some sort of political stance on this. Mm-hmm. I think that that's fine. But my encouragement would be to stay out of those narratives, man. Just get out of that mess of the left and the right. Just this big cultural war around this particular topic. Just don't get in the middle of that because I think that it's fine to have a stance, but at the point in which that political stance affects your witness as a Christian and affects the witness of the church, then that's, that's where it becomes a real problem. And I just think that the best way to sort of retain our witness and our consciences in this whole thing is to just not get in the middle of sort of joining the left in their argument or joining the right in their argument. I just think that that's, I don't know, Christians are supposed to be different and yeah. uh, we, we have a different story to tell in this whole thing. And then I think that when we join one of those sides, it, the narrative that we have kind of gets lost. Yeah. I do think there's, it, we need to give people permission to not feel like Christians need to take a certain position every time, but unless it's a kingdom position. 
right? Yeah. To say we don't uh, ascribe to any party but but God. I think that's okay. And then when it comes to the border and the wall and those things, I get that there's going to be varying opinions. I want our church, though, to be the safe place to talk through those various opinions. Yes. I, I, um, I know even talking about, hey, we're going to have this topic on the podcast today makes us feel nervous, other people feel nervous. But where else should we be able to have a safe conversation about what God believes about human beings, about what's happening in our country and culture than, than a podcast that comes from a church? To me, like, thank God that, that you guys are brave enough and courageous enough to have this conversation, even if it does enrage somebody who feels really strongly about this position, because I want them to feel safe to share those things with us and us to learn. Like there are things I do not understand about all the nuances of every political argument of what it's like to be a politician to what it's like to be a federal employee. I honestly, I don't get that. And we can't represent every viewpoint, but I don't want to let the sensitivity to that drive us to silence on a topic. Yeah, that's good. So let's uh, transition that to the next topic. It's kind of related. You've probably saw in the news uh, right after the March for Life. March for Life is annual. It's on the um, around the anniversary of Roe v. Wade, and it's been happening for forty something years now since Roe v. Wade took place. Hundreds of thousands of people marched the streets in Washington D.C. I've been there several times in order to represent unborn life. And at um, this year's March for Life, there was a big story. Normally, honestly, media doesn't cover much of the March for Life because uh, for whatever reasons and. We we can talk about all that too, but for whatever reason, it doesn't get much coverage. This year got a ton of coverage because there was an incident. Uh, the first day of reporting was that there was a teenage boy from a private Catholic college and their Catholic high school on the East Coast that was uh, facing off with a Native American Vietnam veteran who was drumming and there to, to march in an indigenous people's march. And they were just literally facing off, standing face to face. And the the narrative the first day was different than the narrative the next day with a longer video. Adam, are you aware of this incident? Did I am. you keep up with the news this week? Yeah. Can you summarize what, what the difference was between the first day's reporting and the next couple days' reporting? Yeah. So um, from what I understand, uh, basically what you described the first day was true. They, the media came out and basically said um, – these these this group of uh, high schoolers who, <laughs> who were wearing Make America Great hats, who were, wake, who were wearing MAGA hats, were shouting some Trump slogans and different things like that, and basically uh, blocking or or having a confrontation with um, uh, 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 the people as part of this Indigenous Peoples March, mm-hmm. um, and uh, so Native Americans. And um, there's a picture of sort of the kids smirking, right, in the right. face of, of this. Well, then, I don't know if it's the next day, but I read a, a New York Times article that said, and there's a longer video that shows what was actually happening is um, you have the kids, the, the students there with their MAGA hats on, and apart from them was a group of what are called black Israelites. I don't know if people know. They're, they're, honestly, just look them up. I don't it's, – it's a weird – it's a weird crew. I'll just mm-hmm. say that. Um, and they were, and I think that's fair. Like, <laughs> no, I, I, I think I that's agree. super fair. Weird uh, meaning like different than what you would normally experience. No, I mean like uh, abrasive and mm-hmm. terrible theology. Yeah, yeah the belief system is really deeply flawed. Deeply flawed. Yeah. Uh, and um, yeah, so anyways, um, yeah, I guess I don't mind being offensive about that. Anyways, uh, <laughs> So they were actually sort of going at each other in a sense that – and there's there's questions about whether the students were sort of jawing at the black Israelites or whether the black Israelites were uh, taunting and insulting the MAGA kids. What I do know is that um, 
generally speaking, this group, the black Israelites, will use very aggressive tactics to sort of get, they're a very, very small group. And so they are very vociferous when they're out protesting and stuff to try to gain attention. It's a very kind of attention seeking thing that happens with them. And um, like they, I don't, they're in Dallas all the time. I don't know if you guys seen no, them. They stand out by the AT&T building out there and they'll oh, okay. yell at people and stuff as you go by. Anyways, there's questions about whether, who was doing what first. And then the Native American gentleman decided to say a prayer, basically, um, and to get in between to try to diffuse the situation. And so going all the way back to the American Indian movement, there is, there's this prayer that they've done, an indigenous prayer or whatever. And so he grabs a drum and starts kind of banging on it and being in the middle. And that was a prayer that he was saying. And even by his report, he said, oh, the, the student on the other side, the one in the picture at least, wasn't saying anything, was being respectful and stuff like that. And the student by his, he like signed an affidavit. I saw something by him and he was saying, look, I, I'm a Christian and I, I want that to be sort of the loudest thing about me, Mm. which is interesting because he's wearing a MAGA hat and doing all those kind of things. But frankly, what it sounds like by looking at the video and everything else is he wasn't smirking to be like a, a jerk or whatever, but he was literally just standing there and smiling to try to like be, to diffuse the situation. Mm. And it did work, I guess, after this, the, the incident with the drum and everything else, but the students sort of left. Everybody dissipated. Everybody dispersed. So it wasn't, that's sort of the latest that I've heard. I guess if you guys have heard anything different, you can you can sort of pipe in, but that's the latest I've heard. No, so. I think what's fascinating about this story, and there, there's a lot of nuance to it, and it, again, it, it, it caused this huge argument, and I saw all sorts of people posting, uh, especially the first day, like first people day posted bad, saying yeah. like— The argument's still going, by the way. Absolutely. If you pull up Twitter right now, it's, it's everywhere still. Yeah, yeah so what happens— Uh, Kind of the first day is like everybody is so angry at this kid. You hear this kind of two-minute version of what happened. And then the next day when they show like a two-hour version of what happened, now it's made the argument almost louder because people want to say, well, this is why. And you're kind of finding the inciting incidents almost like kind of backtracking and say, well, who's the real victim and what's happening? But I think it's an interesting kind of statement on uh, online just uh, arguments on saying uh, rushing to conclusions or on – uh, how the news changed. I saw a lot of news articles that were kind of apologetic. The Atlantic had an article that said, I fell for it. I thought it was this thing. Turns out it's this thing. And it's interesting to watch the media backtrack some things, retell a story. Uh, but what does it say about this day and age that we're so quick to jump to conclusions or to argue know. about I, things? Go ahead. Yeah. I'm, no, go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know that it's even specific to this day and age. I just think it's heightened. Look, you know what's happening is what always what's happened so often when you're too quick to speak. You're looking for any evidence to validate a narrative that you've already formed in your head. And you even the fact that people are still arguing about it shows how um, often how reluctant we are to drop those narratives that through which we see culture and see everything else. And so I, frankly, as I look at it, it's a non-story. I'm surprised it's as big of a story as it is. I'm yeah. like, is yeah. this the thing? Hey, the government shut down. We're involved in international conflicts all over the world, and this is what we're going to talk about. Like, yeah. really, this is the media. And so I think there. But what it did was it fueled these heightened tensions that are already out there. People jump to conclusions, and now they're going to stick with what they have. And so we've all we're all susceptible to that. I think it's a good reminder. Um, to to be slow to speak yeah. and quick to listen. That's, That's what I good. would say. I think it's a good reminder for that. Yeah. No, I was gonna basically say the exact same. I thing. I knew that. Word That's why. I, That's why I jumped in. So. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. No, I, I I do think it's interesting. I mean, 
it's it's uh, we don't really want to get into all of that but i mean the a big part of the reason it was what it was is because there was this twitter account you know that's now been suspended by twitter that was basically inciting this controversy really wow yeah and so it's it's another one of those incidents where there's basically i I hate using the term but like fake news that's Mm. being put out there um that is meant to stir up controversy so that video that they posted on that twitter account was edited yeah to shorten it up to make it look like something that it really wasn't you know and Mm. so like you're saying you know i think uh I guess my caution would be, um, as particularly as believers, we, we need to be careful about regurgitating things that we're just reading online without actually knowing the facts, being slow to speak, you know, quick to listen. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and Proverbs talks about that all the time, about the foolish man mm. that is, that's using his tongue as a weapon, you know, and yeah. so... It's just, um, it's it's frustrating. I think there's an American hypocrisy to that too that we see so clearly when they are enraged about something and it has to do with human value. So if you're enraged about the kid in the MAGA hat and and then he receives death threats, he receives all these threats to his family, his father's business, and you're like, well, because he didn't value other human beings the way you wanted him to, we've completely devalued his life. Right. And then if you find out he's the one who's not in power, maybe maybe the imbalance of power went a different way than, than the other person who's the bully. Their lives are not as valuable to us. Or if we say the black Israelites, because of these incredibly defamatory things they're yelling at these high school kids, now we're going, well, they're the real villain here. And we're always looking for a villain. Always. When maybe the Christian truth is that like a little bit of all of it is true. Should these high school kids have acted differently? Absolutely. Are high school kids broken, evil? Like, absolutely. Is uh, is there a different way the Native American man could have acted? Possibly. Yeah. I don't know his whole story. It Should the black Israelites have acted differently? Is there something villainous in them? Yes, but none of them then lose their value as human That's beings right. where we need to just completely commodify their lives and say, well, then they're of no value. We should do this. We should just cast them out. We should just yeah. ruin their lives. And that's the the overemphasis, hip, uh, hip, hypocritical response that I see in America over and over again. Yeah, I saw it. I saw that same thing sort of on um, MLK Day on the internet because this was a big topic of discussion on that day. And the same people who are quoting MLK are inciting hate about this particular topic. And I'm like, man, did you actually pay attention to anything that MLK taught us? Because you oh, know, yeah. one of his biggest things was that you can't address or diffuse hate with hate, right? Yeah. And that's what we're seeing, I think, on Twitter is just, I mean, it's just a hate war and everyone's angry and, yeah. it, and it's just toxic. And it's, if people really want healing and they really want change, then I think we, we've got to have a different response to that. And Christians can set a good example of that. And that's the only way that division, um, you know, has any chance of sort of, you know, being, being healed and addressed. Now, let me jump from where uh, what David was just talking about to our to our last topic then, uh, which was a big explosion on Twitter again this week, uh, was toxic masculinity, talking about the toxic culture around what we think about masculinity. Toxic masculinity has been a buzzword the last couple of weeks, but a Gillette ad on toxic masculinity came out, and a lot of people have kind of been fired, fired up on either end of that. Chris, uh, for those who haven't seen the commercial, could you kind of summarize what happens in uh, the Gillette commercial? It's a minute. Something long. I don't know. It's like it's like they shot it like a short film almost. I feel like we should play it for Adam. Do we have time? No. I'm gonna play it. Okay. It won't take that long. 
Is this the best a man can get? Oh. <laughs> because the boys watching today will be the men of tomorrow. So basically the ad is uh, talking about uh, revisiting what we would uh, typically say as a culture what a man should look like or mm. how a man should behave. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of challenging that. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think as a whole, I, I get what they're saying. And I think as a whole, like, the message that they're saying is admirable. Uh, there are things that I would disagree with, but, yeah. Yeah, I think it's it, they make the connection in that commercial even that it is connected to the Me Too movement. This is kind of the next step is there's right. a toxic masculinity that I think we would define as kind of an overaggressiveness of men. Uh, when it comes to sexually approaching women or when it comes to uh, the way they, in that commercial, the way they parent boys, they just let boys be boys and uh, kind of the uh, free license to be a bully or to use power in ways that uh, minimize other people. And so toxic masculinity, now obviously this is a company trying to benefit as they try to sell to men to say, hey, we are are selling to good men. What's that? I've never heard that term before today. So Toxic masculinity? Yeah. I literally never heard it. Really? Have you yeah. guys heard it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yes, I've heard it. Okay, I've heard it a lot lately. I've I, heard it. I a haven't. Ton. It's it, in other words. I was the, the hesitation was going. I've heard it, but I didn't know it was as big of a. I didn't deal. know. It was, yeah. Oh, it's a very term. big deal. I, I think. Uh, I mean, it's a big deal. I didn't know it was a big term. Sorry. Okay. Well, I don't think it's on like um, the same level as maybe the Me Too movement, okay. but I do think it's our culture loves to find a buzzword to tag onto, especially when we can use it to accuse somebody of something. Yeah. So if you see a man behaving badly, especially publicly, they can uh, hashtag it with toxic masculinity gotcha. and just say that's uh, the overaggressive man who's using uh, his strength in order to benefit himself and not other people. Although I do think what our culture is missing right now on toxic masculinity is that uh, toxic masculinity in the sense of a masculine um, position, which is not benefiting other people. One of the biggest issues is is aggressiveness, is overaggressiveness, is bullying. But a big issue that I see men struggle with is the other end of the spectrum is passivity. Men who do nothing, men who should be in, interjecting opinions or interjecting into conversations to be able to stop bullying or men who use their strength in order to serve other people. And yeah, the Gillette ad has a caveat where it's like, I know some men are already good men. They're not saying all men are evil, which I think is Im- is kind of an important caveat to say not every form of masculinity is toxic masculinity, that being a man is not inherently evil. And I hope our culture's not going that way. And I think that's some of the argument against it is people feeling like, oh, you're just going to rag on all men now because of the Me Too movement? What, what's the backlash? Honestly, I'm conf- let me say my two. David, I, you've seen yeah, some yeah. of the, backlash. What's the backlash. What's some of the backlash? Yeah, I think the the more politically conservative, you know, feel somewhat threatened by this commercial oh. as sort of a piggybacking off the Me Too movement and just sort of depicting men as sort of these, you know, animals, just violence. Like, basically, the, some would argue that this gives a false picture of what most men are like. And it's just, uh, it's it's kind of doing a scattershot approach to, to all men. Uh, that's one of the backlashes that I've seen. Um, but, I mean, you could make that it's argument strange. about so many things. Yeah, I mean, let, let me, when I see the ad personally, uh, I think it's super admirable. I'm looking at it going, those are all things Christians should be doing. Yeah. What I saw, the pictures I saw, 
in there where men treating women as sexual objects men i mean dude my wife's been in a grocery store and been told to smile by people before my Mm. wife's been assaulted in new york like uh you know uh it's like you know these things happen I, i don't know why we would turn a blind eye to it I think my two reactions is one is like, wow, that's really commendable. The things they're saying are really commendable. And my second reaction is, who are you, Gillette? <laughs> like, <laughs> I, meaning, meaning, I think what I'm offended by is the commodification. It's a company um, sort of a benefiting or acting like this moral actor on top. And I don't know anything about Gillette, so I'm not, I don't pretend to know. Mm-hmm. But I see this so often. I feel like because the church has failed to speak out with moral conviction yeah. on these kind of issues, especially moral majority on, you have all these people in the 80s who come out and say, we have the moral high ground who are now supporting political actors who don't. It's a very confusing time. And so because the church has failed, and I say that honestly, now you have corporations stepping in and using religious language to be the moral high ground. It's like that's super dangerous to me. Like I guess that's what – the most dangerous part of it, it's like, hey – you know what I want you to do, Gillette? Just sell me razors. Spare me the preaching. <laughs> yeah. You know, this but is the same the church things. needs to be the one that's, preaching. That's yeah. my point. Somebody needs to be preaching, and who doesn't need to be doing it is a bunch of companies. Yeah, and if we're too afraid because it's contentious to explain what the Christian sexual ethic is, that's or right. To explain what the responsibility of someone with an imbalance of power is, yes, because imbalances of power will happen. There will be somebody stronger than somebody else. Yeah, and the Christianity, Christ Himself, will teach us that if you have strength, it is to serve other people. That's right. And if you have wisdom, it is for those who lack it. And so it is not to be abused. But if we have churches that will not speak to what a man's role is or what a woman's role is and what does it mean to treat a woman with respect, whether you're inside the church or outside the church, if we are quiet on those things That's right. and let the uh, razor companies and the tennis shoe companies <laughs> yeah. be the ones who are speaking up yeah. Yeah. or the politicians even, we need to be uh, the forefront of saying we we believe there's a moral high ground that's given by a moral moral God who's created morality, yeah. and it's not just a cultural morality. It's based simply on who's stronger than somebody else and whether or not they should they can abuse their power or not, yeah. although those are certainly related. I do think what you're pointing at is exactly the place where I want to land, is say the Christian church cannot be silent when it comes to the to political things, when it comes to contentious things on the internet, and when it comes to male and, and men and women and how we should treat each other. This is what the church should be speaking into on in our culture. Yeah. Yeah, I think one of the things that I thought about with this particular topic is like this ad is doing what politicians do as well. And they're just sort of there, whatever this, wherever the culture is on a particular topic, wherever the wind is blowing, they're going to grab that and gravitate toward that and try to sell us something. And I think this is, and, and I think that this says something about Christians because right now, like, so what is a man then? Culture has no sort of objective answer because there is, you have to have some sort of objectivity about this particular thing. And I think this gives us an opportunity as Christians to say, we know what a man is supposed to be like. And that man, you know, the perfect example of that is obviously Jesus Christ, who is bold, courageous, but also humble and gentle and all those things and caring. And so I think that's, what's most interesting is that like, we're really, culture knows that there's a problem um, and this ad can get at that problem, even though they're just trying to sell us a product, but they can yes. get at the problem, but they have no 
answer because it's sort of however we're feeling today, right? Or how, however culture's feeling That's what's a so decade dangerous. later. That's what's so dangerous to me. And when I said I think it's dangerous that corporations do it, what's so dangerous is it's where, exactly what you said, David. It's wherever the wind blows. So you guess what? In like 10 years, if there's some other definition, Gillette will make a different ad exactly. that might contradict himself because they're not moored to any no. moral anchor as the church would be. Like, who yeah. has the answers on what masculinity should be? God, yeah, who's spoken to us in his word and given us a picture exactly like you said, David. So that's why we have to be bold and speak out and not let these other shelves, you know, yeah. with with no deep moral substance. And that's not a that's not a knock at Gillette. That's the reality. It's a corporation. It's it exists yeah. to sell razors. That's what it does. And we can admire that so anyone would use their platform for, sure. for something good. Yeah. That's great. For sure. That's awesome. And all of these things culturally that we've pointed to, whether they're news stories, politicians, or razor companies, yeah. have pointed to two truths that we will always land on, that humans have inherent value because they've been given it by a creator, yeah. and that when we look in the world, it's broken. Yeah. So those two things we can see over and over and over again, whether it's in toxic masculinity, whether it's in uh, various protests running into each other in Washington, D.C., which is an everyday reality there or whether it's a, a nationwide debate that shut down the government, yeah. we're going to say, hey, this is a problem because humans have value and people will have a spectrum that will uh, rub up against each other, but they will also have uh, everyone have evidence that the world is broken. And so in every one of these things, we can land there and say, and so the world needs a savior. That savior is Jesus Christ, who both redeems masculinity, redeems every argument, is the solution to all of our problems and is the answer to all of our questions. I think the only thing... My only thought on this that I think is frustrating is that, I mean, corporations choosing to do um, social justice or use social justice or social responsibility as a way to sell a product is not a new thing. I mean, no, if, no, no. if you've taken any kind of corporate finance class or anything like that, I mean, they talk about that in textbooks. It's like, should a company use their position for social issues? And it's like, it, 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 they've done that for Decades. Yeah, any, any successful brand associates their brand with something bigger than the product right. itself, but, and that's why people are right. Pilled. They've been and they've whether it's environmental issues or moral issues, it, it doesn't matter. They've done it forever. I mean, Nike got involved in all that towards the end of 2018, that's and right. so I, the thing that's frustrating to me is why why do believers choose these types of topics to like get upset about it. I mean, you know what I mean? It's like, so it's good, because Chris. it's what the political wind is, the way it's blowing, that's why we decide to enter into those conversations. But you don't see them ragging on Whole Foods about doing compostable, you know what I mean? It's like, other companies are doing the same, same thing, thing, selling a product that appeals to a certain group of people for this certain reason, and then we're going to pick this thing because it's a hot button issue. That's what's sad, right? We Shouldn't should be we should be entering into those conversations regardless of whether right. or not it's in the news. Yeah, on, on one side of things, we need to be proactive and be teaching what the yeah. Bible teaches on these things. But on the other side of that, sometimes because people are created in the image of God and are a reflection of God in many ways, even though that's broken, there are things culturally I think that may be quote unquote secular that wake us up even as Christians to yes. some of these social things. So I agree that it's frustrating that it takes something like this, like me too, to kind of wake Christians up. But sometimes we have to learn from people absolutely. who aren't Christians and yeah. that's and that's not a bad thing. So yep, absolutely that's a good point. Right. If there's anything you heard on the show that you'd like to know more about, you can find details on the website at tvcresources.net. We'll see you next time. God bless. Thanks for listening.